Hey, everybody. That was great. Um, I'm Sarah. Wow. Special shout out to my mom and dad because they're totally watching on Facebook Live right now. That's right. Go, John and Deb. They're awesome. So, welcome to Basic. And we're in week six of seven in this Sermon on the Mount series. And it's easy to say that we've talked about some pretty tough topics from divorce to adultery, storing treasures in heaven and about anxiety, to anger and loving your enemies. And if you've missed any of these teachings, you can find them on uh, basicatlang.org or on our Facebook page. But I would really encourage you to listen to any of them. Heck, probably all of them, um, because this is really good and hard, challenging stuff. So tonight, we're going to talk about another light topic, judging others. Right, and I'm just throwing out the disclaimer now. This, too, really isn't the easiest of topics to digest. You see, our lives get a little bit more complicated when we throw words like judgment or judging others around. Judging others has a really weird stigma in our culture and we, when, we, when we hear these two words in a sentence, um, they often maybe make us stiffen up in our chairs, maybe get a little sweaty armpits, or maybe they make us feel excluded or hurt because we've been judged ourselves or sometimes affirmed and proud because we've been the person to come out on top in our judgments. And I'd love, I really would, I'd love to say that I've come tonight with a list of six bullets, points, um, that are gonna help you determine whether or not you judge others or evaluate how others judge you. And if there's a right or wrong way to do it. But I don't. And in fact, after reading this part of the Sermon on the Mount, I'm convinced we could do a whole teaching series over these six verses. Have, have you guys ever Googled what does it mean to judge others? I did it on Sunday. In like desperation to like think of an idea, I just Google searched what does it mean to judge others? And there was 10 pages of articles, and then you go to the bottom corner, and then you click it, and you see how many more pages of articles there are. So it was 14, and then 22, and then 28, and on and on. Our world has a lot to say about judging others, but I believe that Jesus has a lot to say about judging others and also on how we love others, too. So, um, if you guys have your Bibles tonight, if you got one from earlier, I want you to open up to Matthew 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. So, Matthew, the first 
book of the gospel, so it's like halfway through and then some in your Bibles. If you don't know where it is, grab your table of contents. But Matthew 7, starting in verse 1. So it reads, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So um, there's a few things that I want to highlight first about this passage. So Jesus is still talking to a crowd um, of his followers as we're still in the midst of his teaching. And this is week six in our series. So we've heard Jesus say a lot of things to these people about how to live their lives and how to build their lives on a solid rock, the foundation that we've referenced since week one. And at this point in Jesus' teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are put on the spot. And in those days, uh, these people were the rule keepers and the enforcers. They took every law of the Old Testament and judged others heavily by it. They were ruthless. They were hypocrites. They preached on a ton of standards Standards they couldn't even really live up to themselves. And we see Jesus rebuke them. He rebuked that kind of judgment. And rebuke means to have um, a really strong disapproval of a behavior or an action. So I just want you to know what that means when we say Jesus rebuked them. And Jesus told his followers to not be like the Pharisees. So, what do the people do? They started to believe that they had to be more righteous than the Pharisees, to be better than them. But this started to steer people into a place of self-righteousness, the I'm better than you mindset. And if you noticed with the Pharisees, self-righteousness is what led them to judgment in the first place. And that sounds a little bit like us today. And for us, this whole topic of judging others gets messy because Jesus called out sin, just like he did with the Pharisees. So what about us? What about speaking the truth in love 
Because Jesus did that. He called people out. And he tells us to do the same, right? So what about us? And I'd have to say, you are right. Jesus called out sin and judged. Yes. But Jesus doesn't ask us to be the judge. And we screw this up because we think that because we love Jesus, we are entitled to judge like Jesus. But pay attention to this. Jesus judged so that others would grow closer to him. And he judged, but also, but also showed his mercy. It's like when we read, uh, uh, when Jesus went up to the Pharisees who, who caught the woman in adultery, and he said to them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And Jesus said to the woman, go now and leave your sin. Jesus said to the Pharisees, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Even though the people knew adultery was sin, Jesus just as equally called out the sin in the way that the Pharisees treated the woman. See, Jesus came to be the ultimate judge and to fulfill the law that those stinking Pharisees kept running around trying to enforce. And his judgment is also coupled with the greatest love that only he can give us, his mercy. So I... I just want to be real clear here because this is the basis on what we're building on tonight. We deserve judgment and receive mercy instead because of Jesus and who he is, not because of anything we've done or will ever do. Uh, so let's get back into Matthew 7 and we're going to be in verses 3 through 5 the rest of the night. There's a lot of stuff that happens at the beginning, and there's a lot of stuff about pigs and pearls at the end. That's a whole other sermon. So we're going to stay in 3 through 5 tonight. So it reads, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So there's two things that I want you to notice about these verses. 
both people have something in their eyes. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And it takes first helping ourselves in order to help others. See, Jesus give this, gives us this exaggerated image as most of us aren't running around with a speck of dirt or planks sticking from our eyes. But the things in our eyes, these are the things that keep us from seeing Jesus in our everyday lives and in others around us. And these planks, no matter the size, are our sins and our judgments of others, obstructing our views. Planks being the judgments you make when your friends hit the hill for a three-day weekend and just barely make it into the seats with you for a Sunday morning service. Them making choices that you'd never make. Or maybe when you see someone spending money on something you could never afford, to only think about how hard you work for all the things that you have, and they don't. Or the frustrations you feel from your group project, because we have all been there. <laughs> when your partner doesn't do anything, and you're stuck doing everything, complaining all the way to the finish. And I know your minds are racing, because I've said some things that actually cause you to judge others. And you can kind of feel your skin start to boil. Maybe your like, face is red. It's getting a little warm. And you can probably start to see the faces of the people who do these things in your lives. But what about you? Really, though, if these are the specks in others' eyes, what are the planks in your own eyes? And I'm not really asking that question as a, like, what if there's planks in your eyes? I'm asking it as, what are the planks in your eyes? Jesus first and foremost reminds us that neither person has perfect vision. And Jesus tells us that we must first take the plank out of our own eye. And we live in a world where it's much easier to call out one another without even acknowledging our own sin. We live with a skewed view of others of who God is and the whole reason why Jesus had to come. And rather than uniting in the fact that each person, each of us, has something in our eye, we often use this piece to tear us apart. We use our insecurities to create walls on social media as ways to tear other people down. 
We use our words about what's right and what's wrong to preach hate rather than love. And we create unreachable standards for others so that we can always come out on top. We don't really read these two verses and think to ourselves, wow, we both sin. We read these verses and say, whose sin is worse than mine? Jesus goes on to tell us that it takes first helping ourselves in order to help others. And this isn't really the first time that we hear this. Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. You actually, you know it. So you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. You can't see clearly unless you first remove what's blinding your vision. And I bet when you read the title tonight, Judging Others, you didn't think that this was going to be part of the message. But this is a big deal, my friends. You see, we see sin in others because we sin ourselves. We see sin in others because we sin ourselves. And Jesus urges us first to take the plank out of our own eye to acknowledge our brokenness and sin and our need for him. To assure us with his mercy to give us vision for him. And then, and then, have us help give vision to his people. And to help take the specks out of others' eyes. As gently and as lovingly as he does for us. And because of who Jesus is, he is the one who helps remove these planks from our eyes and from the eyes of others. In the scripture, uh, did anyone notice what Jesus calls the two people? Brothers and hypocrites. Yes, I heard it over there. You guys are paying attention. Yeah. By definition, a hypocrite literally means to be two-faced, a fraud. And friends, Jesus is calling you and me with a plank in our own eyes, a hypocrite. And he calls the other with a speck of dust, brother. And that is everyone around you your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And Jesus encourages us to first look at ourselves, the hypocrites, so that we can say to one another, brother. 
And this kind of mercy and love, both extended and received, it changes our posture about judgment each and every day. It's constantly recognizing our brokenness, the obstructions in our eyes, and our need for Jesus, his mercy, to remove these planks and specks so we may see him more clearly. To first see Jesus and then to see his people more clearly. For me, this has been a reality of my relationship with my brother for the last several years. And sometimes I have to laugh, literally laugh and then cry probably, about the ways God uses basic to meet me head on in my life. Because judging others is a pretty big piece to my own narrative. When I was a freshman in high school, I started following Jesus. My ideas and beliefs were wrapped up in a God of rules, though, and how-tos when it came to living life. And as a teenager, not truly understanding why we don't do that or say that because we're Christians, I started noticing those around me who weren't acting the same as me. I mean, they'd call themselves believers, but we would cho- what we would choose to, to say and do would look really different. And this is when I noticed how much I was judging others around me. And one of the relationships I did this the most in was the relationship with my brother, Jacob. Which is so painfully ironic that the scripture even says, brother. (laughs) That's when I cried. As I got into my junior and senior years of high school, um, this is when I noticed Jacob's life turned down a much different path than mine. I noticed he started turning more towards drinking and parties and alcohol, more than anything to cope with the everyday trials of life. Drinking on the weekends turned to drinking every day and a series of parties from Friday night until Sunday morning. And then he'd start the whole week over again. It was a cycle, a dangerous and lifeless cycle that affected our relationship, but a lot of other ones too. I knew that he was an alcoholic. He knew he was an alcoholic. Our family and friends knew, and it really wasn't a secret, but it also wasn't talked about or actually ever named. And then I left for college, and it was a relief. It was freedom from the fights and arguments. It felt like I was no longer responsible for what was happening back home. 
because I was here at you and I, sitting in the same seats as you every Thursday night, hiding from guilt and shame and from embarrassment. And alcohol was the crux of our relationship. Or so I thought. But my words were fighting words. And I'd often say things that would remind Jacob that I was better than him. I took my hurt and my sadness out on our relationship. Because I blamed him. My judgment wrapped up in rules that I didn't mind reminding Jacob that he was breaking. Rules that he never even agreed to. I was convinced that he didn't love Jesus because if he did, he wouldn't struggle. He wouldn't be doing this. He's got it all wrong. It's all his fault. However, None of that sounds like mercy and like the love that Jesus taught about in Scripture. My actions and words didn't really reflect Jesus, and they weren't even close to how Jesus calls his followers to act. And all of the comfort I found in comparison and in judgment of Jacob was as equally toxic to our relationship as the alcohol was. The plank in my eye stretching for what felt like miles. But Jesus is rich. And he's rich in his mercy for us. When I deserve to be as equally judged for what I've said and done, Jesus comes alongside of me, and he loves me, and he gives me compassion and kindness because of the love that he has for me, the same love for you, and the same love he's always had for my brother. And Jesus has taken this relationship over many years. Years, guys. And help me continuously pull the planks from my eyes to help with my words and give me patience. To help me celebrate my brother and his choice to step away from a former life and walk into a new life with his wife and his kids and leaving a lot of that dead life behind him. To seek understanding first when judgment could be so easy. And I'm still failing. (laughs) But Jesus continues to be rich in his mercy. And he continues to keep pulling the planks 
from my eyes. And these planks, like the ones up here, these planks are our sins. These planks are our sins. And as they're removed from our eyes, they're used to build the cross. The very cross that Jesus was nailed to. To take away our sin. And these planks... Our sin, yours and mine, aren't the focal point of our faith. These planks are used to continue to point us back to the cross. The cross on which Jesus triumphed over sin and death. cross where we see his mercy triumph over judgment. So uh, tonight we're going to take a few moments to sit in reflection because I know it's not what if we have planks, but what are our planks And over the next few minutes, I want you to ask, what planks do you need to take out of your own eye? Who do you need to call brother? And where do you need God's mercy and his love? when we deserve the worst judgment for all that we do, God has always and continues to be rich in his mercy for us. Amen.